Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat where we will look back on Argyle's season-ending defeat at Gillingham. Joining me to reflect back on that and look back on the season as a whole are our Argyle experts Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hi guys. Hi Stu, got my name right this week, well done. I did indeed (laughs) and a very warm welcome to today's special guest and it is a very warm welcome, we can see you're you're dressed really. Uh, Danny Salmon, hi Danny. Hello. Unbelievable dress code. Well, Danny, there's a dress code on the podcast, right? I have got it today. I've been out on the whole. He, he looks half time. surfer, half athlete, doesn't he, with a vest on and uh... <laughs> half athlete. I'll take it. <laughs> um, as we say, then, guys, Argyle ended their season up at Gillingham—a disappointing five-two defeat. Um, I guess, really, Chris, they just ran out of steam, didn't they, after a, a long season? Yeah, well, I think we saw that at Scunthorpe last Tuesday, which was the must-win game, or, or certainly not to lose it. Um, and I think most people would have seen the game either at Glanford Park or on the TV, and they just didn't have it in their legs. Injuries, it just wasn't there. Uh, and it was a bit more of the same against Gillingham, if we're honest. Um, it was quite funny, we turned up and were talking to one of the guys that reports for Gillingham, and he was saying how dreadful they'd been at home all season, and Argyle were bound to beat Gillingham. And, uh, and we were saying, well, we're going to have a lot of players out, and I think we've run out of legs. And... Uh, and uh, 3-1 at half-time, you know, Gillingham were well on top, 4-1 up. He thought this could be any score it, it, that they wanted, really. It finished 5-2. Um, yeah, I'm not going to dwell too much on the p- performance. I don't think the manager wanted to either, really. It was it was one game too far, perhaps two games too far at the end of the season. You'd have, you could have arguably, arguably had a better team out of the players that were unavailable on Saturday at Gillingham than the team that actually played. And that's no disrespect to the people that played, but... You know, when you take Taylor, Threlkeld, Sarsavik, you know, on, the names go gone, Ness, on and on, take them out of the team, it, it just wasn't enough left. And the subs bench was obviously one of the one of the things, you know, you had Aaron Taylor, Sinclair, Carl Leatherham and five young lads, you know, um, Alex Battle made his debut towards the end of the game, Cameron Saxton made his second appearance at the end of the game. It wasn't really an ideal game, though, to give youngsters a run out because you know Gillingham were at one stage looking like they were going to put a cricket stop score up and as much as you want to get young players a game time sometimes sticking them into a game which could have ended 5-6-7-1 wouldn't have been ideal so yeah Jack, yeah. I mean, Jack sent me a text actually before the game and you, you said to me didn't didn't you look at the bench yeah. and it was you know I mean like low loss was on there for example mm. and well, I think if you told us that Charl- if we go into the game, you told us Charlton were going to lose and there'll be seven goals at uh, Priestfield, you'd have been a bit excited. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think anyone really went there expecting Argyle to do too much. Injuries just have mounted up to the extent where not many teams could cope with the amount of injuries that Argyle have got. I think there was 12 first-team players out of the game. Um, and, OK, many of them might not have started, but of course, a fair few of them would have been on the bench over yeah. some of the ones that were on the bench. So it was absolutely obliterated by injury, wasn't it? Sonny Bradley played and I suspect strongly that he wasn't fit. There's mm. probably one or two others who were playing with knocks and things. Well, Greg which... Kerry said after the Rotherham game that mm. if the team had nothing to play for, then the half of those that were playing wouldn't be playing wouldn't because be playing. of the knocks they got. Argyle were just limping over the line really and just had to finish the season. And I think had Argyle somehow managed to win that game 5-0 just saying get in the playoffs, I think we would have been obliterated in the playoffs even further. There's just, there was just nothing left. The team could not give any more. Yeah. I guess, Dan, you've been in that situation yourself. You get to the end of a long, hard season and it is a case of patching people up and getting them out there to play, isn't it? Especially when there's something to play for. Yeah, it was very difficult for them. I, th- I think run out of steam may be a little bit uh, unfortunate sort of term to use. I just think it was pivotal, pivotal that when we had those two games cancelled, I think that really w- was the end of it for me. Um, even if we had everybody fit with playing four games away in the last five, especially the distances we have to travel Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, it becomes very, very difficult. Add to that the injuries and it became virtually impossible. I think that if we had played those two games when we could have played them, um, it may have been a completely different So We may not have needed to win the last game 
uh, to get into the playoffs. I, I believe we would have, you know, maybe got a result both at Rochdale and at Scunthorpe at that time. But, you know, it was tough. I, I, I just feel for them a little bit. Yes, we ran out of steam, you know, with the amount of injuries, like the boys have just said. Um, I just think it, it was just a shame. I just think that, you know, what could have been, I mean, no one knows, don't get me wrong, you know, we might have not won at Watchdale even back then or Scunthorpe, but I think the way we were playing at the time, everybody was fit and healthy, it may have been a different story, but once once we had those games added on to the end of the season, I thought it was going to be very, very difficult. Not just the injuries, but the that they ran out of fuel in the tank, so mm-hmm. to speak, you know, there was... That, that, that travelling was a killer. I mean, me and me and Jack did it, and yeah. you know we're out on our feet now, Jack, and we haven't even played football, have we? You know, so last well, um, in that in the first half of this the yeah. Middlesbrough game, he just could barely move. He was, you could just tell there was just nothing there, and it's a shame really because the players would have wanted it, you know. And it's, it's been a long hard season, and I, I bet they're quite disappointed that it's ended the way it has. But mm. overall, oh, it's, it's tough really enough like. playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday in the middle of the season, mm. but come to the end of the season. Um, you have got a lot of knocks. It's very rare you play without knocks anyway. I mean, as a player, you know, how many times in a season do I play fully 100% fit? Very, very few times. And I think that's the same with the players. Small squad, you can't afford any sort of two, you know, big injuries to two or three of the players because you just haven't got the squad to, to fill those places up. So, um, all in all, it's been a very unfortunate way to end the season. But you know, and then, and then you get back from Rochdale at half past five on a Wednesday yeah. morning, and then the following Tuesday you're coming back from Scunthorpe, yeah. and all that it throws your body clock yeah. out of line. It limits what you can do. You yeah, know, it is tough. I mean, you know, there'll be people out there that say they're professional footballers, they're paid well, they should be able to play whenever they're told to play, and there's a little bit of truth in that. But it's, I think the, it's the physical demands, isn't it? it? It's, you know? it's, it's professional football is a very you know, active, physical, unforgiving yeah. sport. You, you know, uh, this stage of the season, and Danny will know much better than, than we do. You know, you know, everyone will be pretty, pretty much playing in knocks come the end of the season, won't they? There'll be very few players at the end of the season who've played any amount of games that won't be struggling with something. I think it's not just the end of the season. I think also all through the season. Yeah, yeah. You, you're playing with knocks all the time, strapped up ankles, um, injections, you know, injections. I play, you know, many, many times. It's just listen. I'm not, it's not bemoaning, it's not no. a problem, it's, it's what we do mm. and what footballers do. Um, but it's just unfortunate, everything at the end of the season went against us, whether it be injuries, whether it be too many games, it, it, it just accumulated into what happened. And I was saying, on Saturday it was very, very hot and if you're struggling anyway to run yeah. around in that heat, I mean I know it's the same for both teams, but if you're only half fit, just say, the temperatures were... You know, every time there was a breaking play, the team, the players were running over to get a bit of water. It was one of those games which probably made it even more tough on those that were struggling anyway. Yeah, it shouldn't be uh, f- sort of frowned upon though the season that Argyle have had. I mean, you know, had it been offered first back in pre-season, perhaps, and you know that Argyle were going to finish seventh, I think pretty much everyone would have taken it, wouldn't they? There are so many teams that would like to have been in that position. I mean, yeah. Look at Wimbledon, Northampton have gone down after one season up there. Oxford has struggled in the second half of the campaign. There are so many teams that would like to have finished them. I, I, I think it's been incredible. I, no, I yeah. really do. I, I think that um, the whole as a whole, there's been a lot of excitement, a lot of drama. Um, supporters have been you know, on the edge of their seats for most of that time, whether it be good or bad. <laughs> um, but since December, it's been constant um, the excitement that we've had, especially at home, um, you know, successful, of course, of course a successful season. Um, everyone would have grabbed to be the last couple of games of the season to have an opportunity to go into the playoffs. We've would actually, you know, bitten your hand off for it. And I know that we're going to look at the opportunity that we did have and might be a bit of a disappointment, but I take that away, that part of it away, and it's been a really, really good season and, and well done to everybody. Well, you take into account as well that Argyle had one stage of seven different goalkeepers, they had more red cards than points, they're bottom of the table in December. Ryan Edwards was diagnosed with cancer. Sonny Bradley spent a week in hospital with mm. a kidney issue. There's just so much adversity. And that's what and we know, you know, by yeah, the sounds of it, there's more stuff yeah. going on as and well that Derek Adams hasn't divulged. But if the team so. can do that with all that adversity, then, you know, it's, it's a huge testament to Derek Adams at his yeah. staff. And, and, and the one thing I'll add to that is that those people that said at the start of the season or after we had that bad run that Derek Adams has lost the dressing room should look at themselves in, uh, with shame because I, I had my article where I said, you know, no, not a chance in hell that he's lost the dressing room. And it just goes to show you with all the problems that we've had, how much they wanted to do well yeah. during the season. And that's Derek Adams and the whole squad. 
not just how much they wanted to do well, but how Derek Adams can get the best out yeah, of them as well. Absolutely, and, and I think that those people that were, for whatever reason, you know, that they all seem to know what they're talking about, that uh, Derek Adams has lost the dressing room, you know, very, looking very foolish now. Yeah. Is there a sense of disappointment? I mean, Jack, you, you're an Argyle fan. You're very passionate about your club. A couple of weeks ago, you were saying, oh, the league table looks so fantastic now. Given the way it's ended, is there a little bit of disappointment there for you? A very small amount. I've got to be honest, I was <clears throat> expecting to be a bit more disappointed than I was actually at the end of the, seat, at the, end of the Gillingham game. The way it's panned out, I think just the fact they've got through it is, is pretty remarkable. Um, and I, I do strongly believe if they had made it, they would have struggled in the playoffs and it would just given people more false hope. I think it's been an incredible season. And I'm actually not that disappointed at all. I'm looking forward to a little break and I'm looking for, I can't wait for next season. You know, it's another season in League One and if, you, know, you never know what might happen. You trust Derek Adams, he's, he's done well in the last few summers. Um, so the disappointment may be, may be a small bit because we were in a competition with a few games to go. But in the end, things worked against us and that quickly left and all you can be really is proud of what the players have achieved this season. Chris, you no. don't have to rebook your holidays. No, I think you'd have been more disappointed if a full-strength team had been in a good position yeah. and had threatened yeah. it away. But, you know, let's be honest, it wasn't a full-strength team. It, you know, it felt as though it wasn't meant to be and it's sometimes like that in football. And, you know, going back to what Danny said, you know, um, to go into the last game of the season, albeit a slim chance, but a chance of getting in the playoffs, you know, if we'd sat and done our pre-season special podcast, and, and we'd said, well, you know, Argyle will finish seventh and then we'll take it to the very last game and just miss out. We'd have all said, yeah, we'll take that. Mm. Absolutely. Because you never quite know when you go when you get promoted what to expect when you're going up. And the point that Derek Adams made last week, he was quite keen to make it. I don't blame him for doing it. Of the four teams that came up from League 2 last season, Argyle finished the best of them. Um, Portsmouth were very close again and Jack and I were talking about mm. uh, Argyle and Portsmouth when we left uh, the Priestfield Station on Saturday and... That's three seasons in a row that Argyle and Portsmouth have literally been neck and neck yeah. all season and even at the end of the season. I mean, Portsmouth obviously won the title last season on goal difference. Argyle have just picked them in the final standings this season. And um, if you think about that, Portsmouth are a bigger club than Argyle. I don't, I don't think anyone can argue with that, particularly with their, their recent time in the Premier League. They've got a bigger support. And so just that one in itself, that the fact that Argyle and Portsmouth are neck and neck for three season runnings, uh, shows to me that Argyle are overachieving. You know, they are up with Portsmouth or Portsmouth are maybe underachieving, but I, I think Argyle are overachieving. So but we're all just, saying that we would take seventh place at the start of the season and that would have been mm. with a full strength team the whole way through. Mm. The fact they've done it, mm. having to patch up a time and time again mm. and bring loan players and free agents in at times with Tumani, Diograga, and, and players such as that. The, the fact they've the done goal. that with, with such a squad that's been hampered so much is incredible. Yeah, the goalie situation is ridiculous, wasn't yeah. it? You think, you know, we're literally every other game, every game, there's a new goalkeeper turning up. You know, Will Mannion turned up from home for one game, and, you know, um, there's been an awful lot of hurdles to overcome. So, um, no, I think, it's, I think it's been a really successful season. It's a tough league. There's a lot of teams with some decent backing, well, decent <laughs> money and finances. Yeah. I'll go, to, go, to, to go level with Charlton, be battling Charlton for that playoff spot mm. in the last game, I mean, they should be worlds apart, really. Mm. I was going to say, I mean, early in the season, Derek Adams did say he was surprised at how mm. good League One was. It, having seen League mm. One this season, are you guys surprised as well? Danny, start with you. Well, uh, is it a surprise? I, I'm not sure. There are, there are a lot of good teams that come down from the Championship into League One that shouldn't come down and and I think that were am I surprised not not really we've we've seen it we've seen it all before I think the leagues are getting a little bit harder and tougher I think there's a lot of older pros getting in there and and people that have uh, have been around a long time going into these lower leagues and and making those teams better um I, I just think that you know as we stand with with the likes of Blackburn and Bradford and Charlton and Portsmouth those sort of teams um, that are in the league, it's it's always going to be a tough league. And, and next season, of course, some of them are going to have a thirty-three million pound parachute. Yeah, absolutely, game, that's um, incredible, isn't it? And and we we we're sort of like Chris just said, you know, we are fighting above our weight. Um, and there are a lot of clubs that do that, and you know, we are one of them. Um, and you, you sometimes think that you know what what could we do with a little bit more funding? Not that money will, <laughs> always makes the difference, um, but you look at Derek Adams and what he's done with. The, not the restraints, but the, the funding that he's had compared to some of the others. And you've, you've got to pat the man on the back and say, you know, there's a lot of household names in Plymouth that we've never heard of until he brought them to the club. Yeah. You know, and, and I think maybe 
you know, like I, I've said before, is maybe he's, he's earned the right and the opportunity to maybe have a little bit more money to bring in that little bit more quality and see what he can do with that. Yeah. So looking back on the season then, obviously lots of highlights and low points as well. Um, Chris, start with you. Low points? Low points, well, I think you could probably pick any one of those games, <laughs> eight, eight defeats out of nine at that stage of the, the season. That was, I mean, it was just desperate and the, the red cards piling up. Mm. Um, I seem to remember Bristol Rovers away when Gary Miller got sent off and... Um, it just seemed like every other game there was a red card. They were losing games. They they didn't look like scoring. Um, they were conceding stupid goals. I think you had technical issues that day. We as well. did have technical <laughs> issues that day as well. <laughs> when do we not? That's the question. <laughs> True. We did have uh, technical problems. Is the uh, the official phrase, isn't it? So uh, yeah, that wasn't a great day. I've got to be honest. Um, There's a fair few words you'd have said that, but that can't be, yeah. be broadcast. There was it, it was it was looking bleak, wasn't it? It yeah. really was. I mean. That start to the season was was really poor. Portsmouth away when they lost one 0 at Portsmouth at the end of November. Um, that rivalry that has developed between Argyll and Portsmouth it wasn't particularly great for anybody. I don't think sort of losing to Portsmouth and being bottom of the table and having the uh, the fraternity singing you're getting relegated and you're you know to Derek Adams you're getting sacked in the morning and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I suppose that probably was the low, low point. Remy Matthews was injured in that game. You just finally thought, we've got a goalkeeper settled. Mm. And then he got injured and was out for a month. But that was the low point. And then they rose up through. Highlights, I mean, all sorts of highlights, really. I mean, the home form has been fantastic in the second half of the season. I mean, they've literally won every game at home park. From, um, Probably just that evolution of the football as well, the yeah. way that they've, you know, because they were really struggling early on in the season to score goals, but yeah. come sort of Christmas time onwards, they were. They've played some good, yeah. I think they've actually played some good, they haven't just ground out mm. wins at home park. There's been some exciting games. I've loved seeing Carey and Ramirez adopted into the same team and give Argyle that freedom and, and fluency and attack that we probably haven't seen for a long time. Uh, probably since the days of, you know, the Bazakis and, and people like that, you know, where they've, they've played with freedom and expressed themselves. You know, players have, have clearly got better during the course of the season, working with Derek Adams, you know, Ryan Taylor, what a fantastic season he had, despite all the injury problems he's had. Um, the Gates, average gate over 10,000 this season, the best uh, average gates they've had since 08, 09, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, lots of, lots of highlights. I mean, Jack, as a fan, what was the best one? Well, the best one, I think the, the fact that Argyle have been playing such good football, you know, what you... As a fan, what you want is when you're paying your money, you want to be entertained. And that, that's not a guarantee in football. You know, you, you can't guarantee that. But Argyle played with such freedom this season that, you know, it's been fun to watch. Last season, they had to, they had to grind results out and they had to be quite pragmatic in their approach. But this season, the fact they've, they've won a few games by three or four goals, that's exciting. And the fact that all the way through the second half season, we were getting closer and closer and closer to those playoffs. And, you know, as a fan, that's what you want. You, you want to dream, you want to hope. And it was becoming a reality and the fact that we've got to the final stage is still having that hope that's why the, the numbers have been there but obviously one of the sad points was Ryan Edwards cancer diagnosis but the way the club came together for again I thought that was fantastic that was a highlight for me the way the players came together and those sort of stories give football a, a good name I think sometimes in the national media football fans don't always get the best of press but the fact he's now been given the all clear and the way the club came together that was a real highlight for me that made me feel proud to be an Argyle fan so yeah. that was one Danny, not so much a highlight or a low light for you, but what about a key moment in the season where you felt things... Oldham at home. Oldham at home. Oldham at home. Yeah. Um, I sat there and I thought, you know, we were looking at um, people that were going to come and go from the club, who we wanted to keep, who we didn't want to keep. And I remember sitting there thinking, I wonder what the team's going to be today. And then suddenly, lo and behold, uh, Ruben Ramirez was given his opportunity, come, when goes on loan to Oldham, comes back, and the way we played that day, and it was just a completely different attitude to the players. It was the, the support. Just, there was just something happened on, in that game that proved to the players, the players realised that they can, mm. they can compete and they're a good side. Um, and for me, the way we played, the way the, the front four played and um, Ruben Lemire's complimented Carey and it just said to me that was the kickstart to what happened afterwards and I think that um, that was the moment for me that it all changed. I, I, I just looked at that game and thought from where we were, from that moment onwards I think we kicked on and you know we went full steam ahead 
Think just just throwing one out there to, to you guys. Obviously, you've watched Sargar a lot more than I have. But what about the Northampton game on the Tuesday night? Derek Adams was under a lot of pressure at the time. And he felt that he really needed a win. Because it was around that time where the, some of the fans had really started to turn against it, him. It was a good win. It was an important win. But Northampton were very poor that, 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 that day. So for me, I didn't leave that game thinking, oh, this is it. We, we, we can really do this. I didn't leave the game feeling much different, really. I think Northampton were just particularly poor. But it you're did, right. It was a very important win. It did come after the 4-0 defeat by Oxford on the Saturday. You know, Ryan yeah. Edwards was sent off very early in that game. And it was a poor, poor decision and a poor red yes. card early on in the game. But... They'd lost that game, you know. Anytime you lose four 0 at home on a Saturday, and then you've got a Tuesday night game coming up, mm. that's quite important, isn't it? Because yeah. you need to bounce back very quickly from that. Jack's right. Northampton were ridiculously poor. The, you know, Northampton are a funny team that they're the worst team I've seen at home park this season, and one of the <laughs> best teams I've seen away. And yet they've ended up getting relegated. But that's we could probably do a podcast on, on Northampton <laughs> yeah. because that doesn't make any sense. But I, no, I I agree that was an important game. They didn't have to play particularly well to, to win that game. And I totally agree with Danny about the Oldham game. They'd, they got a last-minute winner against Gillingham at the start of October to Milani Diagarada right at the end. Yeah. They went up to Rotherham and almost won the game up there and conceded an equaliser very, very right. late in the game. Now, if they had then gone into the Oldham game and it had gone badly wrong there, that little bit, those green shoots that were coming through could have been killed off if yeah. they lost to Oldham. So to, to get Lanieres in the team compliment him with uh, Carey get an emphatic win two days before Christmas they went to Milton Keynes on Boxing Day 1-0 win there and all of a sudden the wheels were in motion so um, I, I would agree I think Oldham was when you look back at the season where did it really it was getting Carey and Amira switching the formation to the 4-3-3 and all of a sudden the, the, and a fit Taylor as well of course and a fit Taylor you, just made, you mentioned Northampton we picked up three games I think it was Northampton mm-hmm. Gillingham and Wimbledon at home yeah. Argyle won all three of those which again I think was some of the foundations yeah. because there was, if Argyle had lost there the table could look very different couldn't they I think that was our, our erstwhile colleague Mr Baron Cross, Cross picked those yeah. three games yeah, out, and right. I remember him saying in the podcast these are three games that they've got to win and they, did. and they won all then and yeah. that was what they did well actually when they when they started moving away from the table beating the teams table, around them they were beating the teams yeah. around them they were not slipping up they weren't dropping any points to those teams around them and so not only were they picking up three points but they were stopping the other teams and that's how they made Climb pretty up. quick re- I mean one minute they were you know bottom four and the next minute they were like top ten and you yeah. thought how's this yeah. happened well the transformation you've got to remember when we were struggling we went back to safety mode and that we were people were complaining about mm. being defensive, and we won one nil. We had a draw. We had another win one nil. We had a little and, and I remember saying at the time, when you're losing games, the first thing you've got to do is be difficult to beat, and we did that. And then after those, I think six games where we we did really well, battled our way to some some some, good, some points. I said now we've got to be looking for more expressive, going the other way. But we had to do that first. That hard work had to be done first. And he was, he'd done it really, really well. And that's when the Oldham came come about. And the rest is history. That's, that's the strange off. thing there. It almost feels like it's been two seasons. If, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree, Chris. Looking back on all the travel, the, the Bristol City game in the Cup feels like two seasons ago. It doesn't feel like it's the same season as the one that had Argo finishing seventh in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I spoke to James Brent last week and I'm going to be writing a few articles during the course of this week uh, from that interview and he made that, that very point that Argyle managed to combine a relegation battle and a promotion push in the same season mm. and, and, and that's true I mean yeah. they were battling them against relegation for half the season and then it just flipped almost like within yeah. a matter of weeks and then they ended up having a promotion push and that doesn't happen very often does it? No that's right um, We've spoken a lot about the, uh, the key players from Argyle this season so I'll move, to, move on to the uh, release list obviously that's going to be announced in the coming days who do you guys think is, uh, are going to be staying and leaving Argyle this well, summer? You, you want to you want to try and keep your key players. So that's your, your Sonny Bradleys, Brian Taylors, Oscar Frailkel, people like that. I would think you know Argyle would be very keen to keep all of them. Um, certainly, Sonny Bradley and Ryan Taylor have both said in interviews you know that they would be interested in staying um, and keen to stay. Um, hopefully, that will that will get worked out. Of course, in football. Anything can happen. They might get a better offer. Uh, all three of those players that I particularly just mentioned there are, are from the north, and and there's always going to be an issue at some stage in players' careers that they might want to return to home, be close to family and friends. But they they've all always struck me as, you know, enjoying living down here. Sonny Bradley did a, a great interview where he, he he said he loved living in Plymouth and recommended it to people. So, 
I think, you know, just off the top of my head, those three players, you know, a very good right back, a very good centre back, you know, um, you know, you, you want to keep them in the keep them in the in the mix. So and, and Taylor being a you know, the the focal point up, up front. Um so there will be departures, I'm sure. Derek Adams said something um recently that he, in hindsight he he felt that he might have released maybe one or two many last summer. So it'd be interesting to see how many do do leave. Mm. Um I think some of the players that were Simon Argyle were trying to get up from League Two um may well leave, you know, they've been good servants to Argyle and you know, Jan Songo's been a great servant to Argyle. Whether his time is up at Argyle, um uh, you know, remains to be seen, but uh, they they may go in a different direction. People like him and, and Gary Miller and what have you may be may be leaving. But um I suppose you say that whoever leaves have been part of a very successful Argyle squad over the last season or two and um, you know, if they do go they'll they'll go with everyone's wishes for what's been a you know fantastic couple of two or three seasons. I'm sure many of them wouldn't have thought they would have been pushing for a place in the championship, you know, when mm. they first no, for Argyle, right. so they have been an important part. But I think Derek Adams who looked to get rid of a fair few players that have been on the fringes. I mean, look at Jake Jervis, he wasn't in the team for a bit and he, he wanted, you know, the two parted. So I think the likes of Songo, Miller, Church, mm. I don't think you've seen many of them. I think you saw that Garrett Gregoire, for example, was, was under contract for next season, but that doesn't, you know, necessarily yeah. mean that, uh, you know, he'll necessarily be here next season. So yeah, you'd expect a fair few changes. I just wonder, just re- reading into his, his Derek Adams' comments, whether he might just think, well, I don't want to make too many changes. He's quite happy to make changes, but, Maybe not wholesale. Yeah, we spoke about that this, didn't we? Or, mm. when I think the meal or after the game on the. Mm. I think Joel Grant might have possibly earned himself a, a stay. Possibly. I mean, it fought three goals in the last four games of the season. Now, I don't think he'll be a starter next season. But depending on what, again, depending on what wages are, because we don't know what their wages are yeah. and how the budget needs to be spent, but he might be a useful player to have on the bench. Is that difficult, though, Danny? Offering a player a contract and saying, look, you're probably not going to be in my first 11, but I want you to be part of the squad. Or as a player, do you go in there wanting to be a first-team player? Yeah, I think every player wants to be a first-team player. I don't think at this, this level of football that a player um, is going to be happy to know that he's going to sign a new contract and not be a starter. You know, um, And I think that's the difficult shuffling around that Derek Adams has got to do because you've got to have players that are not in the first team on a regular basis that are good enough to come into the first team and do well. But it's, they're difficult to keep. Mm because they want first-team football. Mm. So it's, it's a, a really difficult balancing act that he has to do. Obviously, as, as the boys have said, uh, the, the key players, we know who they are, and you'll want to keep them. But you do have to refresh, and you do have to make sure that there's hungry people coming back mm. into the squad from elsewhere that are going to make that difference that we need. Um, and and this, this is where the difficult job lies. It's not so much we, we know that Carey's a good player, and we know that Sonny Bradley's a good player, but bringing players into the club, you've got to make sure that they are better than what you've got and you've got to make sure that they know exactly what it entails to be involved with Plymouth Argyle. And as a manager, that's a difficult job. But he's proven since he's been here that he's got a good eye for a player because there hasn't been many players that he's brought in that have failed him. You know, there's always going to be one or two, but that's like any, any, any club. But generally, I think he, he's done very well with his uh, decision-making on players. Um, it's just making sure that you keep who you want or you, you know, as best you can and then bringing in players that are better than what you've got. It must be tough for players as well. You look at the likes of Alex Fletcher who probably knows he's not going to get much football next season and whether he, if he's weighing up whether to leave or not, you've got, you've got, do I leave and turn down a guaranteed year's wage mm-hmm. and hope that something comes up, which for Tyler Harvey didn't really happen and for Ira Allen didn't really happen. That must be a hard decision for them to make as well, whether they accept the fact they're not going to be part of the team for some of the youngsters or whether they're going to risk turning down the contract and go and try and find a place where they are going to be first in football. I think, I think with that, it really depends on the player and the manager. Because as a player, I know how I feel about myself and about the people that I'm playing with, how good I am compared to what we've got, and whether I feel, hang on a minute, if I stay here long enough, I can compete and I can be there. And it's up to the manager to make him feel like he's going to get an opportunity. So it's a very difficult one um, to make. But as a youngster, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be sitting around if I know I'm going to be second and third choice, if I feel that I've got the ability to push on um, and the manager maybe doesn't trust me enough. Um, so that's a conversation between him and the manager to start with and then looking at the squad that he's got and the ability that he feels he's got and whether he thinks, no, I'm good enough to move on and I need to play. 
I think with someone like Fletcher as well, it's it's part of a development programme, you know. Is there perhaps a contract, a long-term contract for him at Argyle? But Derek Adams maybe says to him, we need to get you out on loan to get you some first-team experience and, and look at maybe getting him some first-team football elsewhere next season. Well, the thing is, is where is he going to go? I mean, he's well, not going to go into a League One club, so he's going to have to go League Two or non-League. Now, it didn't work out from a talkie. No, did it? do you want to so, go back down to, to teams that are struggling, that might not be playing well? You know, it, it's a difficult one. You know, for me, if you're a youngster and you should be, if you're good and, and you feel like you want to comp- be competing for a first team place, you should be on the bench or in the first team. If you're not going to be that there or thereabouts, there's no point in going out on loan. You might as well leave. You might as well leave and, and try and get first team experience somewhere where you play regularly week in, week out. I just think that going on, like keeping somebody and then taking, sending it out on loan at this level, is is very difficult because where are you going to go? Mm. I, I, you know, do you go down to struggling clubs? Do you go down to non-league where the ability of the players are not as good? How are you going to progress yourself? Are you going to improve as a player? You know, if you're going to go further up, <laughs> you know that's a yeah. different cut of fish. But you know, I just I just think you've got to think very very carefully about it. His next move. With the, with the more experienced players, I mean that, that that's an interesting one as well because now they're going to be going to the board as League One players. You know, this time last year they'd just been promoted from mm. League Two, but unproven at that level. Mm. Now they're going there saying, "Well, I want more mm. money because I've proven myself at this level." Well, Sonny Bradley's a good good case. Yeah. You know, he, he he left Crawley Town, so he you know wasn't in, in a great position. He signed um, the, the start of the second week of pre season training. So we don't know the figures, but you would suspect that he, he wouldn't have been on a, a great contract at that stage, you know. Um, but he's proved over two seasons he's worth to, to the club. You know, you've got to reward him for that. You, you can't say we'd like to keep you and then, but we'll give you an extra £5 a week. And I don't literally mean £5 a week, but you know, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying. You know, he, he has proven mm. over two years, uh, and I'm just using his as his example, that he has to be rewarded. And um, so, you know, people say, oh, I've got to spend more money and this, that and the other. But you've got to reward the people that you've already got that have done well before you even start thinking about bringing in people from outside. So they've got to look after those and, um, you know, that they they deserve to be rewarded for what they've done. I think that the the good situation that Argyle are in is that they will not compete with some clubs in their own division financially. That's just the way of the world and people can point fingers and, and moan all alike, but that is the reality of the situation as we stand at the moment. So where are Argyle going to have advantages? They've got a very good manager. They've got a manager who's got a track record of bringing players in and improving them. Um, they've got a, a decent ground that's going to get better in the next year or two, hopefully, with the grandstand. They've got an a, a average crowd of 10,000. There's not that many clubs in League One that, that can say that got a superb away support that no matter where you go in the country whether it's a Saturday or a Tuesday northwest northeast Kent wherever it is you'll always get great support so there's a lot of good things going for Argyle financially they are going to lose out players they have done in the past they always will do they will do this summer I'm sure but there's a lot of positives um, about getting players to sign for Argyle this season so Derek Adams needs to make the most of all those advantages and assets and try and use that to his advantage. So we'll see how he gets on. I, I think there'll be a fair, a fair few departures, and there'll obviously then be a fair few new coming. So and also, he'll have done a lot from the season. You know, mm. he admitted that he didn't expect this league to be as good as it was, and he probably mm. didn't sign mm. the players that he was hoping for. You know, and he, I'm sure he's learned a lot, and he, he doesn't seem like a manager will ever stop trying to learn and get better. But compared to 12 months ago, you know, Argyle now can say, well, look, we we have we can compete and be successful in League One so suppliers so that might have undenied last summer Danny you know might look at our goal in a different way I think you're dead right but I think we've mentioned this before about when you've got players at the club that have done really well for you they're the first people you've got to look after yeah. because you know them you mm. know them you know they can perform bringing somebody from outside on big wages mm. that have got a good pedigree you don't know what they're going to do Character. so they're a little bit mm. more of a risk than the players that you've mm. got at the club so first and foremost Get the players that week in, week out have done well for you, put them on contracts that they deserve, then that's your starting platform. Mm. Then you go and say, right, I've got that, now where do I need to fill the gaps? That's what you've got to do. What you can't do is go, well, we're going to give you the same wages last year, but we're going to give people that we don't know Mm. more money money than you. You You can't do that. You've got to make sure you look after the people that have done well for you. Um, and then you've got to fill up, like I said, fill up the gaps and make sure that you bring in quality as best you can 
um, to add those positions that uh, are being left behind by the people that are not staying. And the transfer window closes a lot earlier this year. So it does, be- yeah, that's, that's going to make it interesting. So talking of these gaps then, what areas of the squad do you think need strengthening? Or well, more importantly, the first 11, first of all. Goalkeeper. Yeah, obviously Luke's going to be going, yeah. So that's, that's a, an obvious one. Do you think there's a chance Roman Matthews could come back on loan, or is that a... Loans... I, I wonder about a loan, because, you know, he's just... Um, got a, a new baby yeah. daughter, you know, a, a long-term loan, you know, I don't know. I'm sure, I, I'd be very surprised if Derek Adams didn't inquire and see if there was any possibility of it happening. Um, whether Remy Matthews, when we spoke to him about it, said that he would like to go back to Norwich and tra- try and challenge for the first team place next season. So, uh, you know, that's perfectly understandable. He's had an excellent season at Argyle. That's exactly what he should be doing. Yeah. And Norwich clearly thinks something of him because they did sort of put him on an extended contract before he came to Argyle that takes him through to the end of next season. So, um, I, I think, as I say, I think the problem that Argyle will have with Remy Matthews is if Norwich do want to let him go it won't be till very near the end of the deadline right. can Argo go through like, the whole of pre-season yeah. with no first yeah. choice keeper I don't think they can no if Norwich is saying that we're going to leave it till a week before the start of the season before we decide our first choice keeper well Argo can't go through the whole of pre-season without a first choice keeper no. so I'm leaning towards um, unless there's an opportunity to make a permanent signing I, I, I can't see him coming back for, a, for another loan particularly because of his his family situation, but you know, the, you know there will be plenty of goalkeepers out there. There's, there's no doubt about that, and you know, and the strike the striking situation is obviously needs to be seriously looked at this season because that's one of the things that has cost our goal in the closing weeks of the season. Ryan Taylor has had injuries in the past. And at the start, of the he's had injuries this season. Um, they brought Simon Church in as a gamble, as a you know, as a, a throw of the dice, but it didn't work. You know, I think you know we can we we would all expect sat here right now that Argyle will play a pretty similar style mm-hmm. next season to the way they have done. So if you re-sign Ryan Taylor, then you need another Ryan Taylor, another type Ryan player. Taylor type player. That's what you've got to try yeah. and do so that you've got that competition. So like for mm-hmm. like two, because that's what you're gonna that's what you're gonna need. So goalkeeper and a, and a two strikers. Hopefully one of them Ryan Taylor, um, Ryan Taylor and, and one other and a goalkeeper. The rest then you can. Resign as Danny rightly said. Resign the you, you ones that you want to keep and deserve to be rewarded, and then fill the gaps from there. I think. Mm. I think that we need another left-sided player, defensively. I think to add to what we've got and the ones that can keep. I do think that we need to do that. I think you know, obviously, if if there's one or two players that might leave, people like Gary Miller, then you need an alternative to Oscar. Mm. Um, I mean, I would regard Oscar as a first team uh, first choice and bring in somebody that might be able to play in that position as well yeah, I think that, that that would be good and like you know the boys have already just said about Ryan Taylor you know we haven't we never had and we haven't got a Ryan another Ryan and Taylor and if we there's are there's not many of them around no, they, which, which is what no. we've said before yeah. you know to get those players is yeah. going to be very difficult and uh, that's why when you play a system that suits you that, that position is pivotal and there's a lot of Premier League clubs that play a certain way that have, have spent millions and they haven't found that right player. So it's going to be even tougher yes. for them. Um, so and one of the advantages of not being in the playoffs is the fact that Derek Adams has, what, a month longer to look at this? It's easier yeah. sorted. You know, yeah. if Argyle had the two <clears throat> semi-final games and then lost or got to the final somehow and then lost, they would be three, four weeks back. So at least they can fully focus now on mm. getting ready the for the One thing I would add to the goalkeeping situation is I totally agree we need to sort that out quickly if we can. But the one fallback you've got is that you've got a very, very good youngster that is there in case we don't make a decision or can't get somebody quickly enough. Um, because I do, I do think that at some time, if you want him to progress, you're going to have to throw him in a deep end and play him. Um, I'm not saying that he would be a first team right now. Remy Matthews, he's got a lot of experience and if a player like, or a goalkeeper like him, but you know, it, and it will, we will need to do it quickly. But if we can't, then at least you've got somebody there that could play until such time as we get somebody and you never know what could happen. But See, the Cooper one's an interesting one for me because I think Argyle will bring a first-choice goalkeeper mm. in, but it's whether he's number two and whether they give Leatherin another contract and have three goalkeepers. Deck Adams did say that he'll be number three next season. He, he, three. he said that Cooper will be number three. Um, you, you would think that Carl Leatherin would be have a, two. a good chance of being the number two and then you're looking for a number one mm. to replace Remy Matthews stroke Luke, 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 Luke McGormick. So that's the way I would see it mm. panning out. Um, 
But you know, you're right. Most people get, will get the chance in pre-season to try and impress. You know, I think yeah. everyone will get a chance. And... I, I think you know, he's he's again. We, we we always try to you know look everywhere, but on your own doorstep sometimes. And sometimes you've got to go. Well, hang on a minute. We've got somebody right on our doorstep that may um, be good enough. Um, you know, and I, I just sometimes think that um, do we not us as a club, but a lot of teams. You know, they sometimes have somebody right there and and you know forget about them and tend to be sort of shifting about everywhere else other than where, where they've got already. So would you have Cooper as number two next year? I, I, would, I would not hesitate having him as number two next year. Probably, it might, that's my opinion. The problem I mean, with yeah. Mike Cooper being a number two next season, if he sits on the bench every Saturday... Doesn't get the experience, play. yeah. That's the, that would be the... Again, that could be part of his development plan, is to play Southwestern yeah. League football. And then if it does come well, to a situation where the I mean, first choice is injured, maybe he'd prefer Cooper this over This is where they're, they're trying with this reserve team squad yeah. that we haven't touched on, but I think it's quite an interesting development where they're going to have 10 players and they are going to be a reserve team squad and, and they're going to have games in the Central League. They're playing against the best teams in the Southwest Peninsula League. They're going to try and enter the Premier League Under-23 Cup. So they, they'll, they'll, they, they will have a... A regular number of programs. I mean, uh, Michael Cooper is a very good goalkeeper in the making. Um, I just think if he's number two, travelling all around the country to forty-six League One games and maybe not playing in many, um, isn't isn't ideal. But you know, I, I if if he was playing for our goal right now, I wouldn't have a I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think he's he's more than capable. But I think get that first choice keeper lined up. I think that's quite an important priority. You know. Um, it's clear, you know, Derek Adams um, is, is emerged. Derek Adams told Luke McCormick in January, that, December, January, that he wasn't going to be offering a new contract. So you would think, wouldn't you, that Argyle have had a good few months to be looking around at all possible options for goalkeepers. Um, I'm sure they'll try and get Remy Matthews back. Why wouldn't you? Well, done, they, must have done, spoken, they must have spoken they to must him have and, and must have had conversations. Yeah, no, no. So they must roughly know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. you know, Remy Matthews should be trying to get in Norwich's first team next season. That's what quite he should right. be doing. Quite, quite right. right what he quite should right. be doing. But then, Argyle, can Argyle wait to find out that answer? Or do they just go, look, he, he did really well for us. Thanks very much, Remy. But we need, a, when we start pre-season training, at the, uh, the start, end of June, start of July, we need a first-choice goalkeeper in there that people know this is our goalkeeper and this is the way we're going. Because a new goalkeeper, I mean, Danny was a defender. You know, the relationship between defenders massive. and goalkeepers is massive, isn't it's it, Danny? You, you, to bring in a goalkeeper two days before the start of the season on loan is not really going to cut it, when we, it? When we train, we, we train separately a lot of the time, but believe me, the back four have got to have every faith in the goalkeeper and vice versa. And we need to know exactly what he can and can't do or, or what his strengths are and what our weaknesses are and strengths are as well in front of him. And I think that that relationship is really important. And I think, yes, we do need to, to, to know what's going on. Um, and again, I wouldn't bat an eyelid if Coops was playing in the first team. I wouldn't. I, I mean, I don't know how good he can be or how good he was going to be, but if I, would I give him the opportunity if we had, you know, no fear? I, I'd give him the opportunity. I'm not saying that he's my first choice right now. If we didn't have a first choice, I would still have enough faith in him not to worry about him going into the first team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and because I've played many, many years and I've had lots of young goalkeepers behind me, not just one or two, I've had lots. People that have come in and done really, really well. So Brian Horn being at Millwall, one of them, he was 18 when he, when he was a regular. And he, he was a superb goalkeeper. Yeah. I'm not saying that's going to happen all the time, and I know how difficult it can be, and I know how um, nervous people get, you know, whether it be Chris or anybody else. Um, but I know what it's like to feel that I'm good enough. Please let me, please give, let me show you that I'm good enough. Um, so, and, and he's going to make mistakes, isn't he? Absolutely. They're all 18-year-olds do. Absolutely, and, and I'm not worried about that. So yeah. um, for me, if you feel he's good enough, and I would listen, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be overly worried if he was my first choice goalkeeper. Put it that way. No. <laughs> right then, guys. Moving on. One final thing we're going to do to bring the uh, this week's podcast to a close is a little fun quiz for <laughs> you. Yeah. I know you're all our <laughs> experts. <laughs> sure. So I want to find. I'm out an ex-footballer. I've got no chance against journalists here. <laughs> so I've got five questions here for each of you. Oh God. I'll this is why you think it's really stupid. Well, that's the idea. <laughs> <Especially> <laughs> I'm just going to put on record now, I have a notoriously bad memory. I'm, I'm so, Danny's defeat straight away. Got a bad memory. Danny's saying he's well, an ex-footballer. Ex <laughs> I, I would put my money it's on Chris to win. It's been a long season. <laughs> right, well, let's see how we do. Danny, start oh, with God, you. Thanks. Who scored Argyle's first goal of the season? Oh, God, great. No idea. 
first goal. Who did we play first of all? Well, we can help you that. Our first game. Okay, I'll give you a clue. Peterborough away. Peterborough away. Uh, I'm going to say Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a good For a bonus point. Great one. Greg Wilde in there. See, I told you. This is going well, isn't it? Jack, uh, name the four Argyll players sent off in successive matches earlier in the season. Successive matches? In order, please. Oh. In order? <laughs> no way, I'm doing it. Graham Carey. No. Not in order, not in order. I'm not going to okay. go to order. Graham Carey. Uh, Sarsovic. Oh, Edwards. Uh, Miller. Three out of four. Oh. Was I thought Sarsovic was first, wasn't he? Sarsovic was yeah. first. Carey. Kerry was second. Sonny Bradley in there? Yeah, Sonny Bradley, Bradley was fourth, was wasn't he? Yeah. Because uh, Edwards was third. And Edwards was third. Yeah, so I've got, yeah, can I get an extra <laughs> point for that? You're giving everyone the wrong question. <laughs> yeah. Chris, your first question. Okay, Name the seven different goalkeepers yeah, I've, I'll have used this season. Right. Oh, come on! That one? Yeah. Unbelievable! <laughs> McCormick, Tanoik, Leatheran, uh, Mannion, Matthews. Uh, how many is that, Stu? Five. That's five. 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 Did we ever really have seven? I did the other two. Oh, oh hang on. <laughs> Can I help you with one? McCormick, Tolloy, Leatherin, Cooper, uh, Mannion, Matthews, and one of that, Keller Roos. Oh, Keller Roos, yes. indeed. Well done, well done. Danny, back to you. Argo oh. went 14 matches without a win from August until October, but who ended that run with the only goal in a 1 0 win at Wimbledon? Who scored the goal? You keep doing it to me. <laughs> Chris, you know this one, because you were there. Jogron. <coughs> Jogron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did you get that one? <laughs> I just had a bit of a cough there. <laughs> Jack, your question. Who scored our goals, goals in the two-all draw with Exeter in the Checker Trade Trophy? For God's sake. Oh, no. I was about to say Fletcher, but that was Chelsea. Kerry? Nope. <laughs> oh, we scored that. I've, I've got no idea. And I was at that game. That was shocking. Who scored? The checker tree doesn't count, does it? I thought this was the first team competition. <laughs> oh, who scored the goals? Did Nathan Blissett get one of them? Nathan Blissett did get one of them. Yeah. He got the second one. And uh, the first one. Jake Jervis? No, it was from, well, a set piece goal. Bradley. Or Edwards? No, Edwards. Edwards. Chris, your second one. Alex Fletcher made three League One starts for Argyle this season, mm. but who were they against? Fleetwood, Gillingham. Got one out two. of two so far. One out of two? Yeah. Oh, no, he came on as a sub against Fleetwood, didn't he? That was when he scored. Yeah, Gillingham. <laughs> Gillingham's one. <laughs> yeah. The other two, no idea. Anybody, anyone else? Fletcher. Oh, in League One? Yeah, League starts. Oh. Would have been early in the season, wouldn't it? I would have thought. Yeah. Doncaster and Shrewsbury. Okay. Danny, who made the most appearances for Argyle this season? Oh. Who made most appearances for Argyle this season? They've stopped giving him clues now. Look. I, I think. <laughs> I think I'm going to well, go. I'm going to go with. I'm just just looking. At Fox. No. Or Kerry. Sawyer. Sawyer is the correct ah, answer. Ah, yes. Sorry, Gary. 46 starts, the only ever person. Yeah. Sorry, Gary, you're right. Why am I looking at that? You're Jack, right. name the only two players to score more than one goal in cup competitions for Argyle this season. Alex Fletcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you ask me who we played in the FA Cup, I can't even remember. Well, we definitely just won goals in the League Cup. I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, who did we play in the FA Cup? Kerry, Kerry. I was going to say you've got pictures of him on your Kerry. wall <laughs> is it Kerry? it is Kerry <laughs> yes <laughs> I knew that well I don't remember the cup games to be fair Grimsby Grimsby was people it. are listening to this thing you know you right. don't know nothing <laughs> you lot yeah. Yeah. they're going to be listening to this and going what the hell do you lot know I go from game from game mate. just remind the viewers out there or the viewers the listeners <laughs> Chris Robert Tolok 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 where he's called only made two appearances for Argyle both in cup competitions but against who? Bristol City in the Carabao Cup and Chelsea in the Czech Republic. Correct. Yeah. Quickly move on then. Zach Biner and Moses McCarthy each scored one goal for Argyle, but their goals came against who? Oh, Danny? come on. Oh, uh, no, have I you can't. got one right yet? Oh, yeah, I've got one right. I've got, I've got, I've got, <laughs> <laughs> I've got somebody else's question. Like, you know, I'd be, I'd be sort of just guessing that if 
if I told you who they scored. Both away from home. Yeah. I, I remember, I, I, listen, I can visualise it because I saw mm. Vina Vine score the goal. Um, and Jack, you know the answers? No, no I don't. No, Vina no? was at Shrewsbury. Vina was at Shrewsbury. Argyle had a good win against yeah, Shrewsbury. Exactly. Moses McCarthy scored at Fleetwood. Correct. John Sheridan's Fleetwood. Yeah. Indeed. First league start. That's right. Jack, Nathan Blissett, solitary league goal for Argyle, by the way, this season. Came against who? Sorry, Sonny Blissett. Nathan Blissett, solitary league goal. Bristol Rovers, correct. Well done, Jack. Two in a row, Danny, two in a row. I don't. Argyle hadn't scored more than two goals in a game until they played Oldham at Home Park on December the 23rd and won Mm 4-1. Who were the goal scorers? Oh, dear. No, I'm I'm, going to throw... I think it was four different goal scorers, wasn't it? So, it was four different goal um, So you've got to be Carey, Taylor. No. Ruben Lamera no. scored. No. Ed, no. Didn't he? No. Bradley. No. Bradley. no. Fox. You've got one so far, which was mm. Carey. Fox scored the one from the edge of the box, didn't he? No. It wasn't Fox. That was the other four. That was Wimbledon. Bloody hell. <laughs> Go on then. No. Dia Garaga. Yeah. Carey. Two in the first six minutes, those two. Yeah. Edwards and yeah. Jervis. Jervis. Okay, yeah. So, Seems final questions. Like that one. Yeah, final. absolutely. Yeah. Final questions for you all then. Who ended, Danny, this is you first. Okay. Who ended our goals eight match unbeaten run through February and March and what was the score? Who ended? Um, Wigan 1 0? Nope. It was after that, that the run. It was after the. Yeah. Can I chip in for a bonus yeah, point, Stu? Go, go on then, Chris. Charlton away? Charlton away. Yeah. Oh, 2-0. 2-0, yeah. indeed. Yes. Jack, your final question. Graham Carey missed three penalties this season. Don't ask me who they're against. <laughs> <laughs> who are they against? <laughs> <laughs> what was the one where he was on for a hat-trick? Who was that against? That must have been... Because Lemire's missed one. And then Carey got on later in that game. Was it Mr. Yeah. Rovers? Nope. Uh, South End? South End's one. No ideas, Danny? No. I know Chris knows these. Yeah, we can solve about this, don't yeah. we? Yeah, but that's the difference, you see. You're, <laughs> oh, all, you've been, you're not on a computer all the time looking at all these stats when I'm yeah. on the sun shining down on <laughs> <in> the home. <laughs> Go on then, Chris, put them out of the misery. Uh, the other two. Shrewsbury away, he had one saved, yep. and Barry at home, he had one saved and then score from the follow up, if you were. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And South End as well, yeah. of course. Yeah. Final question then, Chris. Mm. Jacob Sokolik's final appearance in an Argyle shirt mm. came against who? Was it Exeter and the Checker Trade Trophy? It was indeed yeah, Exeter and the Checker Trade Trophy. That was the worst performance I think I've ever seen. Even, from, from yeah, mm. didn't play well that night. No. No. Out of position and right back to the Do the listeners know yeah. that you lot just sit on your computers all day looking at all these sort of things? This is what we do, we throw each other well, questions. And then, then you, yeah. you decide if you're going to throw me in a mix. Exactly. exactly. To be fair, yeah. I don't think okay. it was a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Too much glory of that. Thanks very much for that. Yeah. Well, that brings this week's episode to a close. Danny, thanks ever so much for My coming pleasure. in and taking time out from this lovely sunny day to join us. Chris, Jack, I know you've had a busy weekend, so uh, thanks for coming in as well. Can we go home now? We'll see about that. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks to you out there for listening. Uh, We'll continue with our podcast throughout the summer, so uh, we'll be back again with more of the same next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.